Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 68. Is it okay to just play games with three-year-olds? That's right, today we are going to be talking about swim lessons and how you should be running your three-year-old classes. These are the swim lessons generally around where kids start coming on their own and we start getting them to go underwater and do things on their own. Let's take a look at the last four weeks of swim lessons that I've been teaching personally and what you can do in your program. That's right. We are talking about our three-year-olds, the group that can just play games in your swim lessons. Basically, should you be doing anything else during your swim lesson other than playing games? Now, I want to take a walk through of the last four weeks of the swim lessons that I've been teaching on Saturday mornings. And uh, I've had this one class in particular. It's actually the second session of this class with the same kids in it. So it's a group of three-year-olds. They are all terrified of going underwater. They, even with the platforms that we have, we have a three and a half foot shallow end. Even with the platforms that we have, they uh, barely have their heads above water. So their majority covered like in water, even standing on the platforms. And I wanna take a look today at this class and kind of give you some ideas and answer the question, should you be playing games with your three-year-olds or younger? Or should you have some set of function that you're aiming towards and a goal that you need to accomplish with a three-year-old? Now, you might be asking yourself, why why is this important? Why is this worthy of my time? Uh, And I think it's an interesting discussion because a lot of people start their swim lessons really early, and that's great. You know, you want to have a safe, comfortable swimmer, and that starts with early and frequent swim lessons. But can we really expect a three-year-old to swim? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, Generally, uh, what we're looking at is no. Uh, If you follow or subscribe to the ISR, the infant swimming rescue or survival type swimming. I don't know. I don't have a good favorable opinion of it uh, because it's pretty torturous when done poorly, uh, which it often seems to be. Uh, But what I'm looking at here when we're talking about three-year-olds is they can't really swim in the way that we think of swimming. Uh, They can't do freestyle generally. Uh, They can't do backstroke generally. Uh, They can type, uh, they can paddle they can float on their backs. They can glide on their stomachs in a doggy paddle type fashion. You know, there is some mobility and some movement available to them, but it isn't what we would call true swimming, which is fine. I mean, there doesn't need to be true swimming for three-year-olds. 
Uh, we, we want to get them comfortable. We want to give them the foundation for swimming later on. Uh, we want to get them in the habit of putting their face in the water. Uh, the majority of what I would say swim lessons are for beginners, level three or age three kids, are being comfortable in a pool setting, being comfortable being in the water with someone else that isn't their parents, getting comfortable putting their face in and gliding, getting comfortable rolling over onto their back and kicking. Um, so if they do fall in, they, they know what to do. Uh, or how to get themselves moving horizontally in a, in a general sense, beginning awareness of the water. Um, so it's not so much about teaching freestyle, although over time with enough practice, we could certainly get to that point. Uh, but for our beginning three-year-old class, we generally play games. Uh, and I found that chaining games together for 45 minutes for four three-year-olds takes a lot of effort. It is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it can actually be quite difficult. And that's okay. It's okay to have a challenging environment where you are just playing games and struggling to get those three-year-olds engaged. Uh, so we're going to take a look, you know, is it is it okay to have games only for your three-year-olds? Um, so first, right off the bat, three-year-olds generally lack the motor skills required for true what you would think of as front crawl or back crawl. They're going to be doing instead some sort of adaptation to a glide or a doggy paddle of some sort, some sort of kicking arm motion movement in order to slowly get them to move towards the side of the pool or their intended direction. They can um, float, they can glide, they generally have a pretty good body position and posture. We're going to have an upcoming podcast with Dominic Latella from The Swim Box, and he's going to talk about um, 360 breathing. This is when you use your, your chest, your stomach, your back, and your shoulders. They're all involved in the breathing and breath, and children tend to naturally do this, infants in particular. So... Uh, which gives them a good body posture in the water. So we're going to uh, exploit that body posture and um, floatability, I guess you want to call it, when we're teaching our class. Um, but, but games. Can you just play games with three-year-olds? Uh, so let me give you a little bit of background. Um, I had three kids, and we had a boy named, we'll call him Billy, a girl, we'll call her Alice, and another girl called uh, Sally, and a fourth uh, girl, we'll call her um, uh, Betty. So we have Alice, Sally, Betty, and Billy. So Alice, Sally, Betty, and Billy. Billy was just turned three, so he's the minimum age for our group lessons. Um, he is very short. Uh, he came up to just past my knee, so maybe two and a half feet tall, maybe three feet tall. Uh, he doesn't really talk that much. Like I said, he's just three. He has very limited vocabulary. Um, so, and he's kind of hesitant. He's one of those shy childs, not very talkative. That's Billy. Uh, Sally, 
Sally goes underwater. She wants to swim. She's convinced, absolutely convinced, that she can swim by herself in the big area with all the other kids, but has no idea physically how to actually go about doing it. She was four. Uh, Betty, um, terrified of the water, cried most of the time, wouldn't even get in the water or near me in the pool unless her parents were sitting right there. And Alice, who was very happy, um, very smiley, but totally reluctant and unwilling to do anything in the water. So what do you do with a class like this? The first day of class, two of the kids, um, Sally, who goes underwater, she went in. Uh, Betty um, did not. She cried the whole time. Alice cried the whole time. And um, Billy cried the whole time too. So we had these three kids who were... Uh, of different varying skills, all three-year-olds, one of them was just turned four, and half of them were crying and refused to participate. So what do you do? Um, So the first, you know, we played games. Uh, That was the best way to go about getting them in. And I'll never forget this lesson that my grandma told me, and I may have mentioned it in this podcast before, but it's worth retelling because it's a life lesson that I've really thrived on. And I remember when I was, I think it was like seven years old, maybe six years old. And I was playing in my backyard with one of the neighborhood friends and my grandma. And we were, we were playing baseball or something. I don't know what exactly it was. And the neighborhood kid left and he just went home. And for whatever reason, I was just devastated by this. Like, I think maybe he said something like, this isn't fun. I'm leaving. And he was one of my friends. Well, what I thought was a friend at the time I was young and my grandma was like trying to console me and trying to console me. I was just crying and and having none of it. And she said to me, and, and like I said, I'll never forget this. I remember the moment we were outside. It was a little bit cold. It was in the spring. I had a coat and glove on. And she said to me, she goes, let's just have so much fun. Let's laugh. Let's, let's joke around. Let's just do something. And let's just, you and I, let's just have so much fun. And she winked at me and she said, and I guarantee you, your friend is going to come back. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. You know, why would he do that? Like, you know, there's no reason for that to happen. Um, why would someone come back just because they heard laughter and like, won't they know it's fake? Um, so, but I was like, okay, grandma, like I'll, I'll try it out. And so I don't know. I, don't, I think we were just like throwing a ball around and like doing these outrageous laughter things, like just catch the ball and just like fake double over in laughter. And maybe she was telling jokes or I don't know. And like she said, the neighborhood kid came back and he was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? It sounds like fun. Do you mind if I come over? And I was like, yeah, of course. Come on over. You know, it would have been much cooler if I was been like, no, but uh, I got what I wanted and I learned a lesson that day. And the lesson I learned was if you're having fun, if you're being interesting and engaging, then other people are going to want to join in. It's going to be a good time. So other people are going to want to partake in that good time. And we can take that lesson from my childhood and we can apply it to swim lessons. So 
I let those two kids cry. I let their parents walk in on the pool deck. They sat about four feet away from us. And with the two kids that did want to get in the water, we had a great time. We laughed. We talked. I told jokes. Not great jokes. Um, we played games. Um, I included them. The, the kids that were not participating, I asked them to participate every time. I was giving them repeated opportunities to engage. Um, so I wasn't just ignoring them. Uh, but we played games and we did simple things. We didn't go underwater. Uh, we didn't, I didn't push them on anything scary or, or abnormal. And this isn't the first, it's a 45 minute lesson. And we started off with on that first day. Uh, so Billy, Billy did get in the water. He didn't care. He was, he's, he's one of those kids. And this is my mistake in telling you earlier, but he's one of those kids that, um, he will just go with the flow uh, and until he's like totally, totally beyond overwhelmed. And then he'll kind of whimper a little bit. He won't even cry. Um, but but you can kind of tell that he's not cool with what you're doing. So like if we're doing jumps and I ask him, do you want to go underwater? He'll be like, yeah, I do. And then I'll show him like, are you sure you want to go underwater? And I'll show him what it looks like. And then I'll, I'll come up after going underwater and then he'll like shake his head no. Um, which I mean, like I said, he's a, a true three-year-old. He, he is just, um, respond, like understanding what's going on, but he'll let me bring him underwater. He won't cry. He'll just kind of like be shake, shaken up. Uh, but then the next time I'm like, okay, do you want to go underwater? He'll be like, no, I don't want to go underwater. Cause he knows what that means now. Um, which is fine. They they get that option, um, which I'll go into later. Um, but should you play games with your three-year-olds? And the answer is yes. Uh, you, you should play games with your three-year-olds. And I think the majority of your lesson should be games. So Billy and Sally um, and I played games. And Betty and Alice did not. They cried pretty much the whole first 25 minutes of the 45-minute class. And um, so... That was fine. And that, and that was okay because by halfway through, they started participating in the activities that we were doing and they started participating in the adapted activities that we were doing on deck. So eventually it was like, get them from their parents, have them sit on the side, have them engage with the class. So participate in some fashion uh, and then um, eventually get them in the water with the rest of the class. Um, but so I'm going to give you kind of give you a rundown of what games we played, how we played them and why it was effective and why that class continues to have, I think it's one person dropped out because they were um, going out of town for the duration of the class. So they didn't want to sign up because they weren't going to be there. And then everyone else signed up again for the class. So it had 75 out of four, three out of four retention. And then we got an extra person in the next class. So um, how do you get retention like that? Well, you do effective teaching and you engage the kids and you make it a positive experience for them. And for three-year-olds, playing games in the water is a great way to do that. So the, these three, two families went from crying and screaming and terrified of the water to happily sitting on the side at the beginning of class because they know our routine, um, interacting with me in a positive way, 
and then without hesitation or question, getting in the water when it's time to get in the water. So how do we do that and why are games good? I'm going to give you a few examples um, and hopefully through the storytelling, uh, you'll see the value in the games that we're playing and why we're playing them. Um, so to begin with, um, I'm just going to run you through the lesson plan of what we're going to do tomorrow. So I'm recording this on a Friday. Uh, this podcast will air on Monday, the following day, uh, and of the over the weekend. So tomorrow, this is my lesson plan, and I'm just going to go through it now uh, and kind of give you an example of what the games we're going to play with these three-year-olds are. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, once you hear everything, I would really appreciate it if you commented on this. Either if you want to send me a message on Twitter, Swimming Ideas, on Instagram, Swimming Ideas. If you want to send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Or if you find this on our website, uh, it'll be Swimming Ideas Podcast, episode number 68. Uh, You can comment on the post, um, and there'll be show notes there, kind of outlining these steps. Uh, And... um, so there's, there's a variety of ways. Just just let me know. Do you think these are effective? Should three-year-olds be playing games for the majority of their class time? Um, okay. So um, on a tangent before we begin here, one of the really cool, effective ways that I got this crying kid, particularly um, Alice, to get in the water uh, or to just do something with the group, because she was very reluctant. She was like hiding behind her dad while like, frightened watching us participate and do our stuff in the pool is I asked her for a favor. I said, Alice, Alice, can you help me? And we're all in the water. And she's thinking, oh no, I'm going to have to get in. Who is this person? Why are they talking to me? And I'm like, Alice, I need your help. Can you get me a blue bucket from down there, like on the other side of the pool? And it totally surprised her. She looks at her dad and her dad's like, yeah. So this three-year-old Alice gets up, walks down far away, far away, I mean like 20 feet. So on the, on the pool deck, past the lifeguard, picks up the blue bucket, comes back and very proudly gives it to me. And I say, Oh, thank you, Alice. Thank you. That was really helpful. Um, we're going to use this bucket to play a game. Uh, do you want to play? And she was like, no, I don't want to play. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I really appreciate you getting me the bucket. Thank you for doing that. And just that interaction, I gave her an opportunity to participate that was safe and comfortable, something very achievable that she could do. Um, Blue happened to be her favorite color. I didn't know that, but that was kind of a bonus there. Um, So I engaged her. I gave her an an opportunity to do something within her achievable um, range of, of willingness. So like she was willing to, she wasn't willing to get in the water, but she was willing to walk down the deck, get something and bring it back. Um, kids like to feel useful. Uh, so by giving her a simple task that was integral that we were going to do without, it was, she was doing something for us. So she was a part of the group now and we could do something based on her actions. Uh, so she felt good by doing that with, um, maybe not understanding why. Um, then I gave her an opportunity to be included. So I opened the door for her. Do you want to come join us and play this game? Uh, she declined and I let it be. I didn't force her to, I didn't, her dad didn't force it. It was like an open invitation. And she learned that if she really didn't want to do something, she didn't have to do it. And I think that's another important piece to this before we begin is you'll see pretty often throughout here, 
during the class that I'm teaching, I'm asking for involvement. I'm not forcing involvement. Um, and that's kind of one of the core tenets for our beginning groups are um, asking, do you want to go underwater? And once they willingly go underwater, then we can start giving commands on how they go underwater. I mean, there is a certain threshold on compliance. Like you have to listen to the swim instructor. You have to listen to the swim coach because water can be a dangerous place. So we have to have compliance. And the better compliant kids we have, then the more effective our instruction can be because they're listening to our instructions. Um, but for, for things like going underwater for beginners, we let them say no. For beginners that don't that are terrified, we let them say no, uh, and we adhere to it. Um, we'll give them a false choice sometimes, like, do you want to either do a jump or do you want to do a back float with me? So they can pick and choose. So the false choice being they have to do something, but they get the illusion of choice. Well, I get to choose this or this. So they are making the choice, even though we're making the options. Um, so things like that. So just be aware of that as I continue through here. Um, so, okay. So for our lesson, we have four kids, uh, three true three-year-olds, one four-year-old that goes underwater. Uh, we open up the day sitting on the side of the pool. Uh, I have them each on their own out of the toy basket, get a floating toy and a sinking toy. Uh, and this is, we have these like uh, foam circles that they can use. Um, we don't really use them for much because they're not very good at either floating or they're just fun little toys. Um, but they're useful tools in this respect. So they get a floating toy and a sinking toy. And this is just uh, for differences like the rings. We'll use them later. Uh, the floating toys we'll use a little bit. Um, and I have them sit on the edge and, and remind you, these are three-year-olds who can barely uh, manipulate their body to do exactly what they want them to. Uh, so they, they pick those out and they get a choice of color and size. And then I say, okay, put the floating toy in the water and we put our feet in the water. Uh, put the floating toy in the water and put your feet on the floating toy and make it sink. So then they're like using their feet to push the floating toy down. And this is just a simple little activity to get them used to following instructions, uh, to safely start touching the water, so with their feet, uh, and to do it in an interesting enough way that it's not entirely easy for them to do because they're, they're small uh, and their feet are not very dexterous. So they're pushing on these these like foam circles, uh, which are fairly wide. I mean, they're like the size of like a eight inch pizza probably. And they're trying to push them underwater and they don't want to go underwater because they're made out of foam. And so it's kind of this challenge. Um, and sometimes they get kicked away or like their foot goes on one side and it flips and then it floats away and then I go get it. Um, so that's a good activity to do on the pool deck. Uh, we originally started doing that because like, like I said, two of the kids wouldn't even get close to the water. So this was originally a way to get those kids to participate at first without having them freak out and go in the water. Uh, so then we put, uh, so put your feet on the, on the, on the circular foam, push underwater. Uh, and then I say, okay, now put your sinking toy on top of the floating toy. 
And then, so then they do that. And then I say, okay, now use your feet to make your floating toy carry your sinking toy out into the ocean, which we call the, the bigger pool area. Um, and then so they're, they're splashing their feet with big splashes and small splashes, and we do a variation of each, and send the floating toys on their way. And most of the time, they drop their sinking toy, and it falls off their floating toy. Uh, so then I'll pick it up and put it back in. And that's a good opportunity uh, to get in for me, the instructor. And before I do, I establish a cue. So I ask the kids, okay, I need someone to count for me, someone to count to three. And then so um, Billy, he's very cute. Uh, he's very young. He'll be like, one, two, three. And then on three, no matter what, I go underwater. And that's just an example of like, when we start counting to three, something is going to happen. Um, and then I go in the water. I have them count for me, and then I do something. And then when I count for them, then they know to do something. It's just like an example thing. So then I'll go underwater and pick up their ring, smile after going underwater, and then give them their sinking toy, and then or help them put it on the floating toy. Uh, and then we'll get in the water. Um, I'll generally I'll pick them up, one, two, three, and put them on the bench. Uh, and it does not go up to their head. So all of them, by standing on the we have a PVC with plastic, clear plastic flooring bench that they stand on. Uh, that way they can stand in the three and a half feet of water without uh, being over their head or clinging to the wall. And they have a platform to stand on. Uh, so once we get in the water, uh, we'll do, okay, take your floating toy and put your forehead on it. So then they'll put their forehead on it. And inevitably, because it's a floating toy, by putting their face on the floating toy, it kind of goes underwater a little bit. So they'll get a little bit of water on their nose or on their chin, which is kind of the idea. Um, we're getting them attenuated or used to or um, uh, comfortable with the feeling of water on their skin. Um, and then we'll, I'll send the, we'll send the floating toy out to sea. And then I'll say, okay, here's your sinking toy. Drop your sinking toy. Pick it up with your foot. Pick it up with your other foot. And then pick it up with your hand. And so then that's a progressively more challenging skill. So use your foot. It's not easy, so it, get, it takes a little bit of time. Use your, use your other foot, so two feet. Uh, and then use your hand. They're going to have to lower their body down, bend their knees, put their chin in the water, uh, shoulders. And if you remember from a previous podcast, uh, the progression of going underwater, shoulders, chin, lips, nose, eyes, and then the whole head. Uh, so this might require them to put their chin in the water. Uh, and then we do a round. So it's not all entirely games. Uh, we'll do a couple squares. So we have the bench and it's aimed with the open side close to the wall. And then so we'll get close enough so the three-year-olds can, like a tree falling over, if they fell off the side of the open side of the bench, their hands or their head would reach to the side. So I have them go to a corner reach forward with two hands and then I help them fall forward towards the wall and then they monkey walk under their own power um, with their hands and feet down the wall to the bench and then I help them get from the wall back to the bench um, and then we do like a couple squares of that and this is the precursor this is the basis for starting their front glides so if you know the front glide script if you've listened to this podcast you know Put your hands out in front of you, put or put your shoulders in the water, put your arms out in front of you, and then push off to me. 
Uh, in this case, it's their shoulders are already in the water because they're three and they're tiny. Put your arms out in front of you, so getting in the habit of reaching towards where you want to go, and then um, push off. So jump or lean or fall forward towards where you're going. Uh, so then we do that. So that's not necessarily a game, uh, but it is it's, it is kind of like a circular activity. Uh, and then we'll do bucket head or shoulder head, um, which... If again, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that Buckethead is probably my favorite game because um, I invented it. I mean, I don't know if I invented it, but I, I say I have because I played this game when I was 16 um, in swim lessons at the outdoor pool that I worked at. Um, so we play Buckethead or Shoulderhead, which is that blue bucket I told you about with Alice. Um, we use it to play Shoulderhead or Buckethead. And the rules of the game are you have to pour a bucket of water either on your shoulder for or bucket shoulder or bucket head. For bucket shoulder, you have to pour it on your head on your shoulder, or bucket head, you have to pour it on your head. So we use that bucket for this. And the kid goes first. So each kid gets to do it to me first. And they I choose what I want. So I'll say, okay, I want Billy, I want a bucket shoulder. So give me a bucket shoulder. So then I'll fill up the water bucket and, and they're pretty heavy. So I help them and I say, okay, pour it on my shoulder, but you have to say bucket shoulder. And then I'll say it with them and bucket shoulder and pour it on my shoulder. And then I'll say, okay, well, what do you want? And Billy says bucket shoulders. So I'm like, okay. And then, so I very gently pour the bucket on his shoulder and I say bucket shoulder in a really loud voice. Uh, and then we go through each person. I either take the bucket head or the bucket shoulder, and then they get a choice of bucket head or bucket shoulder, and then I adhere to that. So we're, again, giving them that false choice, still giving them the, it's the illusion of choice, still giving them that option, but it, it's a they must participate type of option. So it's either on the shoulder or the head. Most of them are going to take the shoulder because they're beginners, which is fine, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but sometimes, and our ultimate goal is that they get the bucket head because then they'll be used to going underwater um we'll play a couple rounds of that then we'll bake a cake or make a pizza which they love um i think that's because if you pretend with a child if you engage in that fantasy world um that make believe pretend real they pick up on it and they enjoy it it's, I mean, if you sell it, they will buy it. Um, so we play, uh, make a cake. We pretend, and it's a whole process. Um, we play, uh, bake a pizza. It's a whole process. They love the idea that they can see the cake in the oven under the bench. And so to briefly run through what bake a cake is, you get a hula hoop. Everyone gets a stands around the hula hoop, holds it at the surface. You go first and you say, okay, I'm going to put um, pizza sauce on the pizza. And then you spread the pizza sauce on the surface with your hand. You make sure they all do it too. And you say, oh, make sure spread the pizza sauce on the pizza. What do you want on your pizza? And they'll look at you because they're like, I, I have no idea. So you give them some suggestions. You're like, do you want sausage or or green um, green peppers or onions or what do you want? And then whatever they say, you're like, okay, let's put it on the pizza. Sometimes they'll say chocolate or they'll say strawberries or bananas, you know, whatever you want. Uh, and then you, so you 
cut them up or you place them on, you know, you incorporate some sort of splashing, you go around the circle, make sure everyone gets their ingredients. Um, if it's a cake, you can put your whole hand in there and mix it up. Uh, so you're spinning the water around. If it's a pizza, you can spread it out again, like the sauce. Uh, and then you say, okay, it's really heavy. I need you to help me put it in the oven. It's not easy. And then this is an open, another opportunity to go underwater. And then so you pull the hula hoop down and you encourage them to go as low as they want. And eventually they'll let go. And then you say, okay, I'm going to put it in the oven. Someone count to three for me. And then they count to three and you go underwater and put the hula hoop under the platform. And ours has the clear plastic. So you can see the hula hoop underneath there. And then you come up and you say, oh, can you see the, the, the pizza in the oven? And they'll look down and be like, I see it. I see it. I'm like, good. It's baking. It's baking. It's getting ready to eat. Let's go do front floats. So then, and here's the other thing. We don't always play games in this lesson. I mean, we are doing front glides. We are doing back glides, but it's at a significantly smaller proportion than we would for like a level two class or for a bunch of five-year-olds. Um, for three-year-olds, we're playing games because we want them to have a good experience. We want them to be comfortable with the, the lessons. Uh, we want them to be happy and having fun. Um, we still want those things for our other levels and our older kids, but we also have more accelerated plans for their, um, learning. Uh, so it's more having fun through learning and activities than it is just simply having fun and water acclimation. Um, so we, uh, do this game, then we'll, maybe we'll do some front floats. We'll come back and I'll say, okay do you want to check on the pizza? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. So look down, is it ready? And they always say yes. Um, the best is to get your eyes in the water. So put your eyes in the water and then say, oh, I think it's ready. So then you go back underwater, pick up the pizza, have them help you lift it up to the surface. If they go underwater, great. And then you eat the pizza. And again, you give them that illusion of choice. You can either eat the pizza like this, like, mm, like like patting your face and like very dainty and delicately eating the pizza or you can just slobber your face in the and like blow bubbles and throw your head around um, or you can take the bucket and pour it on your face and blah, like garble it um, they always will choose the less underwater version which is fine um, we're giving that a, them a losing the choice with the hope that eventually they're going to be just as into it and excited about going underwater as we are. Um, we'll interrupt that then. Afterwards, we'll go to a different location. So I'll expose them to the deep end. So I'll have them get out, um, walk past the lifeguard, and then we'll do jumps from the side. Do you want to go underwater? And I listen to them. And then however they respond, I either keep them from going underwater on their jump or I let them go underwater on their jump. Um, and uh, this is another opportunity for them to earn trust or for me to earn trust with them because the jumps in the deep end might be scary, but we remove that fear by being a trustworthy instructor who's not going to let them fall underwater or who's not going to lie to them. Um, instead, we're going to repeatedly give them multiple opportunities to walk through the door. We're opening the door for them. Do you want to go underwater? Nope. Okay, you're still doing a jump. You have to do the jump, but you don't have to go underwater against that illusion of choice. Um, and we're, we're delicately crafting our choices for them to get the best results out of them as they participate. Um, 
And then we just kind of cycle through that. Um, a lot of it is uh, we'll sing songs. Uh, we'll do back floats and I'll give them the choice again. Do you want to sing Itsy Bitsy Spider or Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? Do you want to sing uh, Old Man is Snoring or do you want to sing, um, uh, what's the other one? Row, row, row your boat. Uh, so they get these these choices throughout so they're an engaged participant. And even as three-year-olds, they still have an opinion. They still have things that they prefer. Um, maybe they like the sound of it. Maybe someone else did it and they want to do it too. Um, this, the one girl, uh, Sally, who thinks she can swim but can't. We were doing front supported glides. So with my help from two benches with about a three-foot gap in between. And she was behind me uh, because on a bench. And I was kind of guarding the bench by sitting on it. And I was waiting for Billy to come into my arms to let go of the, the bench because he clings to it because he's very short. Uh, the water goes up to his neck. Um, and walk towards the end of the bench and then reach for me. And while I was waiting for him to come over to me, she, because she's convinced she can swim, uh, leapt off the bench that was behind me towards the one that Billy was on. And she promptly sank like a stone because she can't swim. She thinks she can, but she can't. So I, and my hands were, were both on Billy and I couldn't get to her. So I pushed my foot out and she clung to my leg and I pulled her back in. And I asked her, like, and I put Billy down, I picked her up, and I was like, like, oh my gosh, you got to stay on the bench, wait for me until it's your turn. You went underwater, that was awesome, but you didn't make it to the other side. Be careful, don't, you got to wait for me next time. And that, that's, and I'm kind of glossing over this, but it's really important how I reacted here. I didn't freak out, I didn't ask her immediately if she was okay. I directly addressed what she did, I stated what happened, and then I moved on. Um... Because she, she fell and then she started active. If you're familiar with lifeguarding, she, she became an active drowning victim or, or guest in distress. Um, and I, I picked her up immediately. Uh, she didn't take in any water. I just She just struggled for a brief moment. So she was a distressed swimmer, I guess. Um, and I brought her out to the side right away. But I didn't freak out. Um, but I did very clearly tell her, you cannot do this on your own. You got to wait for me. You got to make sure that it's I'm with you before you do something like this. Um, but she was like, Oh, I, I, I can do it. I can go on my own. Let me do it again. It's like, okay, well, well, no, you can't do it by yourself, but I can help you. I can show you how let's do it together. So we did it a few times together and she got a little bit better at it. But, uh, again, uh, she would have definitely fallen. But my point in saying this is that she's very interested in going underwater. Whereas the other three kids in this class are not. Uh, and part of that struggle is, getting those other kids to go underwater too. And we've been playing games. We've been doing activities. Um, we've been uh, slowly, incrementally doing new things to get them to go underwater. And it all revolves around giving them opportunities, giving them the illusion of choice, um, playing group games, doing group activities, uh, get your floating toy, get your sinking toy, get a kickboard, uh, go around in a square like this, walk around in a circle on the two benches, um, uh, let's bake a cake. Let's go to the deep end. Let's, uh, uh, sing a song. Let's, um, you know, all these different game activities, bucket head, shoulder, or bucket shoulder. Uh, we have all these different things all aimed at, will you go underwater? Will you participate? And will you listen? And now by the end of four weeks, 
uh, they're ready to, they listen, they get, they get on the side. Like I said, they're going to sit on the side tomorrow. They're all going to be ready. We're going to play some, we're going to follow our routine. We'll play some games and we'll slowly be layering in more and more uh, opportunities for going underwater. Uh, because now that they're in the water, we can start pushing that. Uh, again, in a way of illusion of choice. Does this sound like something that you do in your lessons? Uh, what do you think about the process here um, and how to engage with three-year-olds? Are there other games that you play? You know, we have on our website, swimminglessonsideas.com, I think it's like 52 game ideas, um, 52 different posts, all full of games. Do you use any of them in your lessons? Um, what games am I missing out on that I'm not referencing here right now? Uh, what do you play? Connect with me, Twitter, at Swimming Ideas. Connect with me on Instagram, Swimming Ideas. Or just comment in the section below. Comment anywhere on the website and uh, share your thoughts. What are you doing uh, in your swim lessons? Uh, or you can connect with me, as most people do, through email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Uh, and if you need ideas for your swim lessons, uh, check out our swim, our digital swim lesson plans and visual skill sheets. You can get them on our website. Uh, they have step-by-step -step scripts, games, activities, and things to do you in your level one classes. And these are the things that I give to my staff when I hire them so they can start teaching like I do. Uh, check it out, swimminglessonsideas.com. Thank you for your time. Uh, and to answer the question, yes, play games with your three-year-olds. They will like it. They will love it. They'll love you. And you'll have happy, engaged parents and swimmers for a long time. All right. Thank you. Take care. Uh, together, we can teach better lessons tomorrow. Bye. Thank you.